This is the Movie Hall of Fame, Class of 1970, for Thursday, January 28th, 2021. Adam, Paul, it's a snowing outside. Yeah, I, I risked my life to come to this stupid thing. Brave the frozen tundra of suburban Connecticut. This happens all the time, okay? Mm. Uh, is that I start out the day with certain plans set in motion, and then as I'm going to do those plans, I get in my car and I'm driving whatever, it starts coming down, man. Yeah. It sucks. Like, it's, it's, it's bad outside. It's bad. I mean, it's... I don't know. I might have to shack up here with the termites. It's... <laughs> It's a little uh, maybe privileged of us to say this is bad. <laughs> like, you ever talk to a main resident or two and they'll show you bad. Ever talk to Rob? I, I, I'm oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, every time it comes down. Yeah, we got a, we got a mild 13 inches of snow today. I would, when I was Some wa- flurries. <laughs> when I was watching Cold Pursuit. <laughs> right. And there's the scene where it's just, it's literally like a trench of snow that goes above the snow plows. And I'm just thinking like, yeah, that's an actual real place. And right. They didn't just create a shit ton of snow. They actually did that. Yeah. So, okay, we got it all right. <laughs> Fuck it's that. a corn maze, but it's a snow maze. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it looks like. Here we get a couple inches. We have to put the snow tires on. Oh, boo-hoo, three yeah. times a year. Hey, but we get in a shit ton of accidents. A lot of people are dying in New England because they don't know how to drive in the snow. Uh, yes, including me. I, I almost know. got in like three accidents yeah. on the way here. I did pretty well knock on wood on the way home but uh yeah i don't know if if it's if it's so bad where i can't get out of your driveway i'm just hopping over to abby's and that's gonna be that okay i can get the i can get the air mattress ready for you it's fine i can pump it up it's fine we can do movie marathon all night i don't want to stay here you definitely don't (laughs) there is the air mattress though i just i saw it when i when i came up it almost felt like an omen (laughs) <laughs> air mattress is there and if you look in my room there is plenty of room where the termites are chewing oh, away you can shack up with them you've been meaning to get rid of that air mattress too uh yeah it's just they've invaded I, every livable uh, area of this house how are how is the room doing from the termites by the way um better better not great though is there a hole in your floor no okay that's good not yet but there's a little sawdust. There's less sawdust there since I started spraying. Hmm. So I don't know if I just need to give them more time. But it, by the looks of it, we're in okay shape. We're going to have a spike, I think is what's happening, though. It, listen, the there's, second wave is coming. <laughs> right. There's plenty of time. Don't, uh, <laughs> kid, don't kid yourself. Uh, there's plenty of time. But um, I need to get a guy over here. I, need yeah. to, I have to do a million things in what? my life. Right? I have a lot of problems that need fixing. <laughs> you think you're capable of dealing with a termite <laughs> problem total ignorance like i <laughs> ignorance is the answer to everything you know you you assess yourself <laughs> critically every day to a disgusting degree you should know <laughs> you're not capable <laughs> of dealing with termites <laughs> It really is just a lack of confidence in anything I'm good at and a total confidence in everything I'm bad at. That might be the Nico story right there. It's blind confidence in anything I know nothing about. But once I learn a little something about it, oh, yeah, I'm incapable. You're a great documentary subject, by the way. Great documentary subject. I'd love to see the part where you're watching episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm and then you have these epiphanies like I can I can do this. I can connect. 
uh what when did this start and becoming like a friggin therapy session what's happening here? it's just fun okay i want to see your latte larry's <laughs> let's talk movies uh we're talking about the films of 1970 this week in particular five of them they are love story performance Patton, mash and five easy pieces one of them is getting inducted into the movie hall of fame and this is it I have never been less excited to talk about a list of movies by far. I think we're going to outdo ourselves pretty soon because there is one more year that we have saved to the very end. Because here's the thing. There is no rhyme or reason to how we select these years. We just sort of go through the movies that came out. and We're like, oh, that would be fun yeah. to talk about Back to the Future in the movies of 1985. Or it would be fun to finally talk about The Godfather. Yeah. So yeah. we do 1972. So... By that very uh, hasty design, we have saved the absolute worst years to the end. (laughs) That's true. Normally, a podcast builds towards something. You know, you want it to improve week by week. But turns out we talked about all the good movies in the first year, and now we are stuck picking up the scraps. It's Game of Thrones season eight. You know, I'm sorry, guys, but, you know, everyone falls into that trap. It's okay. Right. So there is one more year that we have not done yet from the 1970s onward we've done every other year and that might be the worst of the worst it might even be worse than this one what year is that 1983 oh 1983 maybe that actually we'll do it next week while we're on the subject god okay yeah because that i think i i don't want to spoil too much of what i have prepared but my theory is that is the worst movie year of all time really yeah okay is that scarface yes is that going to be the winner? At, like just it by might de- be by default. It might be. Return of the Jedi came out that year. I mean, I like Return of the Jedi. This is the thing about like a certain year. It's similar to how I feel here. It's like, yeah, I like like all these movies, sort of. <laughs> I uh, cannot say the same. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but like, eh, I'm just not enthused by. I, I I am enthused by one like one of these films legitimately. One of these films in an unconventional sense and one of them i just really like and then the other two like (laughs) i think one's really good not totally my thing and then another one which we'll talk about it (laughs) there are two bad movies on this list in my opinion there are two bad movies okay okay there are two movies that i do not like okay at all i could like i really dislike them in like a very strong way really okay yeah yeah, there's no- and that shocked me. There's nothing on. Okay, well, that's interesting though. There's nothing on this list that I um, dislike. Um, there's just ones that I'm a little frustrated by. Here's the thing, though i I had to watch. Uh, I had to watch three of these for the first time, and one of them I rewatched. Okay, hadn't seen it since I was very little. Um, and they all took me multiple settings, except for the one that I like. <laughs> Um, they all took me multiple sittings. <laughs> let's see which took me multiple sittings. Uh, none of them did. Actually, really? no. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't pleasant, but I, I got through them all. Each, I, I think of their own night. I periodically spaced it up and then just started listening to songs from the Book of Mormon. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. There, so there's one movie. Um, I, I think similar to you. I, I'm very enthusiastic about. And it's actually going to be an interesting conversation, I think. And one that I absolutely adored. Like, I I thought was just like a bona fide classic that I discovered for the first time and 
uh, incredible. Yeah, but I, again, I think there are two bad movies on this list. Bad movies. Bad. Yeah. Okay. But we'll get to it, I suppose. Yeah. It's weird, too, because it's 1970, and it's the beginning of the greatest decade in the history yeah. of American film. And Is, you is know? this always the case, though? The start of the decade is always kind of the worst? I guess. Well, I mean, certainly was the case this year, right? Yeah. 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 I'm trying to think, though. Like, But I mean, that was... 1990 was a good year, though, so... Extenuating circumstances. Yeah, 1990 was pretty good. I think. Uh, Goodfellas? Yeah, Sure, yeah. Yeah, come on. What yeah. else, though? Dances with Wolves? There's got to be more, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What else? 2000 was also really bad. And that yeah. was coming off of 1999, which was excellent. Okay, 1980 is great. 1980 is a great, great year. Great movie. We did that early on in yeah, the yeah, yeah. show, actually. Yeah. Yeah. One of our first ones. Yeah. yeah. But, okay. Yeah, it's just, it's very strange that, I mean, in, in some way, you sort of see the transition between, like, the old Hollywood system in the sixties and sort of this new rugged, in some cases like very rustic Americana spiteful cinema. Yes, definitely spiteful movies and a, a lot, lot of spitefulness. Movies. Yeah. Like you were going to disagree on some of these cause I've read one of your reviews. Um, yeah, I, I, I do see like how these fit into the era, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I didn't think the quality was going to be so just way all over the place i really don't think there's a bad movie on this list uh but i under i i totally understand why you would say that i certainly understand why one of these movies you would fucking hate i like there's one i I think i know what it is but like i i the movie that i think it is i again like i wouldn't recommend it to anybody and i recommend most movies of the 70s (laughs) because it's such a great era honestly honestly my favorite one of my favorite movies was el topo and we didn't even nominate it correct yeah Oh, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, it's significantly better than at least two of these. Films. Oh, my God. El Topo might be my number two. Yeah. Yeah. It's a phenomenal <laughs> movie compared to the, this other stuff. Uh, but OK, so here we go. The honorable mentions that we didn't nominate. We talked about Woodstock and Gimme Shelter, both on the concert film list, which both I really like. Yes. I really, really. 100% agree. That, those actually might be towards the top yes, of my list yes. as well. Yeah. <laughs> Woodstock, I'm not as crazy about Gimme Shelter. I just adored uh el topo multiple maniacs came out this year i just actually, did that on why is again, this i like i like multiple maniacs more than at least two of these films i think <laughs> i agree i think i agree uh and here's some other ones that uh, most of these i haven't seen um but that i've heard great things about this movie wanda which is like a big criterion favorite i know like that was an early criterion uh release I and seen it is adored by the film community, written, directed, and starring this woman named Barbara Loden. Um, okay. So sort of an early, like, uh, female um, foray into the uh, into the uh, American cinema landscape. Airport also came out that year. Action movie, universal, big budget, a lot of movie stars. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it was nominated for Best Picture that year. Yeah, I feel like no one thinks of airport, though. Ironically, they think of airplane. Right. They, they <laughs> often get confused. <laughs> they couldn't be further apart from exactly. one another. <laughs> the Aristocats came out. Even Disney got it wrong this year. I don't hate Aristocats. I haven't seen it in forever. Yeah. Long time. A, a lesser Disney film, no doubt. Sure. Tora, Tora, Tora. I like Tora, Tora, Tora. War movie, right? Yeah, docudrama. Okay. Mm, pretty fucking good. Okay. Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Dog shit. They even blew it this year. Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, Roger Ebert's only written effort. Yep. Never wrote a movie after that one. 
Husbands, Cassavetes. Uh, one of these days we got to do a Cassavetes pod. You're right. And we need Jabril on here for that. Yes. Does he, is he a big Cassavetes fan? Huge. I really don't like faces. Okay. I re- I, it's so, you would probably love it, but okay. the movie just pissed me off. But I don't know. Maybe there's other entries that I would love. I still need to see a woman under the, under an influence. How do you say it? A woman, a woman un- under the influence. A woman under the influence. Yeah. The Conformist, Bernardo Bertolucci film from that year. Uh, Claire's Knee, which is uh, one that I, I'm recommended all the time. I've not gotten around to it yet. And Kelly's Heroes also came out that year, a movie that you really like. but Favorite of mine, but I yeah. don't think it's your thing. Guilty Pleasure, kind of, right? No, I think it's a good movie. It's just like, you know, it's like, you know, how best to explain? I mean, it's kind of like a, like a, it's a romp. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> and it takes place in World War II, which I know doesn't always serve you well. It's closer to uh, uh, The Great Escape in a way. It's funnier. I think the cast is wonderful. Okay. You know, it's, it, dude, it's. Is it Dirty Dozen ish? Uh, it's so, it's more lighthearted, in my opinion, than The Dirty Dozen. It's fun. It's just a fun, you know, lovable movie more than, like, it's comfort food for me. But, dude, it stars Clint Eastwood, Telly Savalas, um, uh, uh, Donald Sutherland. And Don Rickles. Oh. Dude, it's a great cast. Okay. And yeah, like like a, a war movie being this way and having that attitude is kind of bullshit. And I understand your hangups on that. But uh, the movie's <laughs> sort of undeniably charming. I love it. I love Donald it. Sutherland getting in work that year. Yeah. Two war movies. Yeah. Two war comedies that yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, okay. The Oscars. Your nominees for Best Picture were Airport, Five Easy Pieces, Love Story, mash and your winner is Patton. we'll be talking about all but one of those movies in just a bit Patton won best picture Patton won best picture okay franklin schaffner won best director for Patton. george c scott won best actor glenda jackson won best actress for this movie women in love john mills won best supporting actor for ryan's daughter and helen hayes best supporting actress for airport was coppola nominated for the script for Patton? Uh, yes, we'll get to that in a second. Um, and, uh, your top five highest grossing of that year. Number five, Woodstock. Mm-hmm. Number four, Patton. Number three, MASH. Number two, Airport. And number one, Love Story. Want to just get into it? Let's do it right now. Okay. With a movie called Love Story, directed by Arthur Hiller, starring Ali McGraw, Ryan O'Neill, and John Marley. Also, incidentally, had the big screen debut of Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, I know. I was pretty stunned to see him yeah <laughs> that was great very very tiny role but yeah. his on-screen debut winner of best original score at the oscars okay also nominated for best picture best actor actress supporting actor director and original screenplay john marley with the nomination for supporting actor you may know john marley as the man that played the film executive in the first godfather film horse's head oh yeah 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 yeah. That guy. He's also in Faces. There you go. Uh, a boy and a girl from different backgrounds fall in love regardless of their upbringing. And then tragedy strikes. Can you believe it, Adam? Tragedy is striking. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have the notebook of the 1970s. Yes. I guess that's what it is. Even though I actually think the notebook is a lot better. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. Um, hmm. I hate this movie. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it so much. That's fine. 
It is so bizarre to me. <laughs> it is the strangest movie ever made. Like, we watched The Holy Mountain for Why Is This a Thing last week, and like, yeah, it's shocking or whatever, but yawn compared to the mystery, the enigma of love story. <laughs> why (laughs) this movie was massive when it came out in 1970 yeah i think it was something like the third highest grossing movie ever made at the time of its release if you adjust for inflation it is still in the top 50 Mm -hmm. it was a box office smash some might call a phenomenon yeah i would Stars Ryan O'Neill, and he was sort of at the peak of his powers early 70s. Um, you know, I think he does his best work in the Bogdanovich films over the next couple of years, Paper Moon and What's Up, Doc. But, you know, it was a pretty big star. Ali McGraw, not so much. But it's a big movie, and it has this iconic quote in it. Love means never having to say you're sorry. And everyone can quote it. And everybody understands there's a movie called Love Story. But no one I know has seen it. And no one I know likes it. And it's so weird because you go on Letterboxd, right? And Letterboxd obviously is a is a microcosm of the film world, not necessarily a microcosm of the real world. And so you have to take that with a grain of salt and you have to take Letterboxd reviews with a massive grain of salt. But I follow something like 70 people on Letterboxd and there's only one person that I follow that's seen the movie. And when you watched it and wrote your review, you became the second person. Yep. It's got something like 70 fans on there, and the ratings are, are fairly low. They're, like, lukewarm. Incre- yeah, at, at, best, at best, they're lukewarm. And it's just so weird to me that 50 years later, obviously, it's been a long time. But, like, even Patton has staying power. Oh, yeah. Five Easy Pieces has staying power. No one cares about this movie. And I'm not even... I, I, I don't understand why no one has seen it. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't understand why it is thought of as like this this formative American text. It's really strange. It's really strange. I mean, it's not good. I mean, <laughs> I mean, besides the fact that it's not good, besides the obvious okay, reasons, okay. but there are plenty I, of movies that are not good that are popular. I, I don't want to come down on it too. Like too, I know you hate the movie. I hate it, and I get it. That's I hate it. Have I mentioned I hate yeah, it? I don't. I don't. Play, I don't. Okay. Do, do I really think it's a bad movie? I mean, I. I, I was really I could okay first of all I couldn't get into it okay. I didn't personally like the movie all that much I gave it like a half-hearted like in my review but I was basically being very forgiving of the movie because I don't think it's technically shit I don't think everything involved with the story is misjudged even though occasionally it is um, I just I, th- I I think there there are plenty instances where the filmmaking was actually pretty surprising and then other instances where it was totally wrong totally wrong and i was like why did you make that choice that in the editing was also very spotty um i just think amateurish it, it yeah, was sometimes i just think it came down to timing more than anything as for its success this i i was watching it and i'm like oh yeah i i totally get why it was a phenomenon on, at its time like i can understand why youngsters <laughs> little children teenagers whatever you want to call them would have really loved this particular story and would have resonated with it quite deeply and sort of wanted exactly what these characters had and longed for that and i can imagine a bunch of them standing by the the water coolers or with you know or the or the, the women talking in the bathroom stalls <laughs> being like oh my god that 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 movie it just really 
spoke to me and what I'm going through and what I want out of life, you know? I haven't said sorry to my husband in 30 years. It's so terrible. My (laughs) parents were never fair to me. They were always trying to keep me into this traditional blah, 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 blah. I get it. I really do see it. And I, and in many ways it fits right in line with sort of the counterculture vibe of the time, which is fine. I don't, think it doesn't have a place i understand now it's extremely fucking dated yes and everything about it is like a living cliche no matter how you try to spin it but at the time it it makes a lot of sense to me i there are moments where i'm like oh my god the shot where he's taking her to the hospital and the camera's following them and they're in the center of the frame and they're just constantly walking in, in, in a field of snow. And no matter how far the camera pans up, they're still surrounded by the snowy landscape. And I'm like, that is a, that's a great shot. I love that. And he's sitting on the bleachers. It's but like, then it's like, <laughs> yeah, the fact they open the movie with that shot yeah. too. It's like it, it, such an like unsatisfying bookend in my opinion. I, I, I don't think it's a, bad movie okay, I know, do you but, get the sense though but, that this created a lot of the cliches problems? that we saw in rom <laughs> okay problems maybe <laughs> no but there are movies like okay you watch annie hall today mm-hmm. and you recognize that the humor in annie hall is present in seinfeld is present in curb your enthusiasm it's present in noah bombach movies like that movie in many ways created a lot of like romantic comedy cliches but it still stands the test of time you watch that thing now and it could have come out last week yeah right this movie i don't get the sense that it created a lot of these cliches i just i think you're right i think it took what was a fairly successful book at the time and told it in the most straightforward generic way possible and you're 100 correct inspired a lot of bad imitations because the original text was bad yeah you know like, like <laughs> I, just, I don't get the sense that nora efron is watching this movie when she writes her romantic comedies or Richard Curtis is is watching this no. movie when he watches his romantic comedies for inspiration. No, it seems like a lot of filmmakers scoff at this nowadays. Yeah. I would scoff at it if I were making a romantic film myself because it's not very truthful. I mean, a lot, a lot of the, the – like, for example, like, just, just the scene when – they they build the part where where uh, Ally McGraw's character is going to die. Just the way that plays out, just I didn't buy it at all. It's <laughs> when so quick. she's just sick with an unnamed disease. Yeah, it's like what? Where the doctor's just like she's dying, it's and like, the guy no. doesn't ask of what <laughs> exactly. Would that be your first yes. question? I, I I it's funny. I immediately watched Contag- Contagion before. Yeah, right, right, right. And I, I just love Matt Damon's delivery in that moment where he's like, "Your wife's dead," and he's just like, "Okay, can I go and talk to her?" Yeah. Beautiful. Sure. Awesome. As compared to this yeah. awful scene. <laughs> yes. Just a cringeworthy scene. Roger Ebert wrote about it in 1997. I thought this was a great way of putting it. He goes, uh, the disease that Ali McGraw had, which he defines as the Ali McGraw disease, as a movie illness in which the only symptom is that the patient grows more beautiful until finally dying. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And now let's get to the real crux of my argument here. Yeah. Well, I think the film is fine in heavy quotes. It's fine. I don't, I'm not giving, giving it a lot of credit. I'm giving it a, a 60%. Okay. <laughs> there you a go. lot more than I would give it. <laughs> okay. I'll give it, I'm giving it just barely a passing grade. It's a D minus. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Ally McGraw. <laughs> oh, I'm doing the George. <laughs> okay. <laughs> horrendous whoa she's bad in this movie <laughs> horrendous like like ryan o'neill's doing his ryan o'neill thing and i'm sort of lukewarm on it here i i've never seen worse casting in my life like she's going for natalie wood but exactly 
but with like none of the likability of Natalie no Wood. right none of the spunk or energy she has no idea how to deliver any of those lines i was so happy when she was about to die <laughs> There was I like, don't think that was the point of the movie. Oh, you don't say. I, I think the meaning kind of got lost. There in is, there's like one moment where I kind of felt it. I'm like, because I was a sucker for it. So shoot me where she was being a, a bitch again. And she, and eventually they recoil and she just says, could you could you just hold me? And I'm like, all right. Okay. I, I, yeah, I get it. I get it. <laughs> if you hate it, it's fine. Yeah. I, I was I like, did, yeah, right. yeah, it tugged at me a little. I, I, I understand it. But, the, but again, then... He goes out and it's like, oh, she's dead. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, love means never having to say you're sorry. And I'm just like, okay, movie, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I'm, I'm so out. No, you think you're so sharp. You think <laughs> yes. you're so slick. And that's the other thing. Right. The script thinks it's a lot smarter than it oh, actually is. You're so right. <laughs> you're so right. It's so irritating. Yeah, these two just have, I mean, they're water and oil. It's yes. Just, they have yes. no chemistry. <laughs> exactly. They have like, no discernible like, chemistry at all. <laughs> came up with this idea to put these characters next to each other they don't work they just don't work i i'm listen i haven't seen a lot of ali mcgraw performances so i, I can't speak to whether or not it no. just she's bad or the casting is bad or it doesn't work but i can just speak to her performance in this movie yeah the two of them have no discernible chemistry i mean at the beginning when they're walking through the college campus and she's like sort of a bitch to him and is like you know trying to one-up him in a game of words because she realizes how stupid he is it, like I, I think the movie intended it to be cuter than it actually was in an Annie Hall way, you know, in, in a lot of ways. Like those are two very intellectual people yeah. and they're not always like sweet and 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 schmoopy sh- with one another, you know, for <laughs> lack of a better term. Um, but I don't know, like it's still like a palpable chemistry and you understand that these two just have a way of communicating that's unique to them. Um, it's none of that here. Here it just comes across as so cold and bitter and flat. And flat is the real thing, too. Yeah. Like, like, and I, I, it, the, the annoying thing is, like, I totally see what they were going for. But I have been in situations where I've, like, made short films when I was a kid. And I, I tried getting someone to play the role. And they couldn't do it just because they, they weren't that person at all. And yes. they didn't understand that person. So every try, time they tried to be spunky, it just felt awkward. Right. And that's exactly what it, like she has none of that in her. And yes. it's so obvious to me. And every time she tries to deliver a smart ass line, it completely fails. I hate to say that, but quite literally every single time she was trying to be smarmy. I'm like, no, I don't believe it. I don't buy it. Yeah. I don't buy that you're, that you're that smart. I don't buy that. Like you're that good at talking like hundred yeah. percent, nor do I buy the, the chemistry between you and your father. Like I, I think John Marley is good in the movie, uh, and I think so it's too. an interesting dynamic. I think yeah. the, the fact that the daughter calls him Phil and that he's like so loving as opposed to Ryan O'Neill's upbringing, like yeah. I, I see it and I get it. Um, but yeah, it's just these planets are orbiting around an empty sun. They're orbiting around a black hole. That's what <laughs> Ali McGraw is in this movie. Yeah, that's really the the biggest issue to to me. It w- it was almost like the part that kept making me go back and forth as to whether or not it was a bad movie. It's yeah. just like yeesh. I don't know if it's a bad movie, but Ali McGraw is bad in this movie. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's just really bad. Even like when. He calls her a bitch at the beginning yeah, and like she it's thinks like, it's cute. Like, what? I'm like, dude, just smack him in the face and let's end the movie already. It was the 70s, dude. Come on. I, I, <laughs> were women ever flattered by that? I don't know. I've never <laughs> met a woman that was flattered when I called her a bitch. 
Let me just say that right now. I have yet and, to meet that girl. Nico calls every girl a bitch. All of them. All of at them. some point. <laughs> at some point. Um, another thing. The score wins best original score. Uh, it's fine-ish. I would call it annoying. <laughs> I would. Too. I would call there, it annoying. There, there are moments where I don't mind it, and I I, I kind of like it. And again, very fitting for the time. But like. For example, like the it, again, it's so all over the place in terms of quality for me. Like where he's running around the campus, like looking for her. The music in that is actually kind of grating. Uh, yeah, right. I don't, I don't know if you remember that, but it was just like getting on my nerves. It didn't feel properly mixed, sure. too, and it just felt like like they recorded it in a garage. Yeah. I was very confused by that. So, well, I do like like the main theme that's played. Uh, a lot of like the uh, the connective tissue with the music just felt dumb. No, it feels like they're awarding the most score rather than the best score, and that the Oscar sometimes it, does that. Does it have the most score? I would argue Patton probably has more score. But uh, okay, fine. But it doesn't call attention to itself in the same way that Love Story does. <laughs> sure, you know, I mean, just like heavy horns in like a rom com. What's happening here? I don't know. You know, and it's uh, whatever. Um. Yeah, I, one of the things I loved watching this movie is it made me appreciate What's Up Doc more, which mm-hmm. is a great movie directed by Peter Bogdanovich, where Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill make fun of the line. Where Ryan O'Neill at the end of the movie goes, "That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard." <laughs> exactly right. It yeah. is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, yeah, actually, the line about uh, what can you say about a twenty-five-year-old girl who died—that she was beautiful and brilliant, that she yeah. loved Mozart and Bach, that the was- Beatles, and me. Uh, that's a better line than love never uh, means never having to say you're sorry, right? But even that line, I was like, that's the line we're starting on? I was I was not on board with it at that point. I do agree it's a better line, but it's not enough. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, hard pass. Yeah, that's fine. Hard pass. No, here's the thing. I, I, I guess this is the thing. I'm not sure I'd recommend the movie. No, yeah. I wouldn't. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't. I would say stay away. I don't hate this movie. There are things about it that I hate, but on the whole, when I added it all up in my head and I just stepped away from it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. And I appreciate some of its elements. And I don't think everything about it is like broken. And that's the thing. It's like, it's not an awful movie, but like, yeah, it's of, and I hate, I, we, I've already said it, but like, I'm, I'm not a fan of calling movies dated because often I'm always like, you have to give the movie some credit and you have to sort of readjust the way you watch the Calling movie. it dated is often fine, though. Sometimes. Like, it's not but, bad when a movie's dated. Like, you know, a, well, a Buster <laughs> Keaton movie is obviously going to be dated, but, but you, you can, can still st- watch it in a bubble, right? Yeah, that, that's what I'm trying to st- tell people. It's like, you have to, you know, understand that it's just a different style that you're not used to. Right, right, and There's right, a difference right. between that and saying it's dated because nothing works sure this is one of those examples it's dated in that a lot of the elements that would have been appealing at the time to audiences just don't work now i'm sorry yeah i'm just a little confused as to why it worked in 1970 i, guess. I know i get it nico it's <laughs> time it's the larger it's timing timing was everything yeah, Come on. It's, uh, yeah it's okay. it happens a lot there are many movies that come out now that i don't think are great movies but timing is what made it popular yeah it happens all the time so strange yeah. i don't like it i really don't like it and i'm sorry to anybody that does but i'm sure you don't exist because as far as i can tell no one has seen this movie except for you and i <laughs> we're just doing the lord's work it's like you know we uncovered this movie in a tomb and now we're studying it for the benefit of no one i'm amazed that like because I, I i've again heard about this film for years of course i think yeah sure i think a lot of people have but the amount of people that have actually committed to watching it 
do a test, go up to someone, tell them the line. Love means never having to say you're sorry. Ask them what movie the line is from. That's all. My dad hadn't seen it. Yeah. There you go. Ask them wh- what movie it's from. I'm, I assure you they've heard the line. I assure you they know the line. Is that from Blade Runner? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be hilarious. To ask <laughs> All right. uh, we're moving on to a movie called Performance, which I think is the most uh, out of left field nominee on this list, I would say. Yes. Total. Dude, we, we didn't know what to nominate. Sure. It's just like, fuck it. Let's do it. No, I'm all for it. Directed by Donald Camel and Nicholas Rogue. This was Nicholas Rogue's uh, uh, directorial debut as well, although it was a co-effort. Starring James Fox and Mick Jagger. That one from the Rolling Stones. A violent gangster seeks refuge from the mob in the bohemian home of a former rock star. Mm. British production. Very British. Very. Whoa, this is a British movie. Oh, yes. Oh, boy. Hey, Guy Ritchie, <laughs> you thief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, there's so much influence in this movie. It's crazy. It's how crazy. Much. I was like, 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 it was like, <laughs> I had this experience once where I went back to my old neighborhood in Maryland. Uh. And you're kind of waiting for like the nostalgia like jolt to happen. Right. And it was taking forever. And then I went into my neighbor's house and it has a very specific aroma of cigarettes and something else. I smelled it and whoosh. Right. It was just like that. Yeah. Every single memory just flooded back to me. And I'm like, holy crap, watching this movie. This is where it all comes from. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know whoa. what that moment was for me? <laughs> the the uh, cigarette smell what? for this was when... Um, when Mick is singing the that uh, song with the lamp, and he pushes the lampshade, and I'm like, "Yeah, true romance. Yeah, this is where it came from. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent. Even a little safties in this movie. Too. Oh, a ton. I would actually totally agree. A little sad. I mean, obviously you have the shot of the gem, um, but also like the camera going into the bullet hole is how uncut gems ends. And some of these set uh, aesthetic to the setting when like at the end of um, good time where they're in the apartment and sort of the proximity and anxiety that comes out of that is, it reminded me of that a lot. And also the color palette for what it's worth too. Absolutely. Yeah. Obviously it's a very Nicholas rogue film. Um, I I don't think I liked it as much as don't look now, um, which I think is like a minor masterpiece that movie, Mm -hmm. Uh, but has a lot of the same stylistic choices. The editing is sporadic, to say the least. And at the time, uh, you know, for the first five or ten minutes, I found it a little disorienting, maybe, it and is. not in a good way. Uh, but by the end of the movie, I think I, I understood totally what it was going for. Yeah, in a way. I'm not totally convinced I understand everything. I I don't even fully know how I feel. I like the movie. I, like I do, the, too. I yeah. like the movie a lot. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, kind of like Don't Look Now, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. Um, but you have, though. Yeah, in a way, I have. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough. Yeah, it's a hard movie for me to pin down. I guess you could take that ending a thousand different ways. I certainly have toiled over multiple conclusions in my head. And I kind of like all of them. So mm-hmm. there's that. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, but this is just sensory overload. Oh, yeah. I had to put it down multiple times i just did i was like okay like like this is too much movie this is too much movie for me right. but the funny thing is every time i came back to it after giving myself a, a break it actually like flowed better in my head and i even understood it a little bit more and it felt more natural just to like stop the movie and turn away mm. just for a second and be like 
okay, I got it. And then keep going. Sure. <laughs> it's funny. When they first screened this movie for the Warner Brothers executives, one of the wives of an executive vomited. <laughs> Because she's like, I can't do this. Like, I don't know if it was the stylistic stuff or it was all the nudity and just grossness and griminess of that apartment. Um, but yeah, it was. I understand it might be a little challenging for audiences yeah. in 1970, as oh, opposed to Love Story, which was a warm blanket. Yeah, a woman gets sick, you don't even know what disease she's sick. Of. <laughs> Why was she sick? Why was she sick? <laughs> I don't understand. She's just sick. She's dying. <laughs> Whatever. Um. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, it, it's quite something. Essentially, you have James Fox, who's this gangster, low level gangster who gets into trouble with the mob. The mob is going to kill him. And so he has to hide away. He ends up stumbling upon Mick Jagger's house. It's not actually Mick Jagger, but it's a Mick Jagger proxy, essentially. If Mick Jagger didn't make it or if Mick Jagger was yeah. not the biggest rock star in the world, what would he be doing? And I guess the answer is that having threesomes in his uh, apartment and just taking lots of shrooms. I suppose, yeah, and having weird, totally unidentifiable sexual orientation, I guess. Yes, it's definitely a movie about identity. Yep. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's like explicitly an LGBT thing. I, I mean, I'm not sure that Nicholas Rogue and Donald Campbell could even conceive of what we now understand as sexual orientation. So there's obviously like a lot of cross-dressing happening, and there's a lot of like, uh, you know gender fluidity or maybe just identity fluidity if that's even flipping, so, like the editing tricks that it plays on the audience sometimes sure to confuse the hell out of you yeah particularly at the end right uh but, but like even the way it tests its main character with like whether or not he could be gay yes possibly and the movie is so careful about that in a way where it's like, wait, is that what they just said? Right. It's like and, and it, it I, I heard it clearly but I wasn't entirely sure what the idea was but I kept like like circling around like are they suggesting he might be gay mm. and and i mean maybe he is yeah <laughs> I, I don't know I, I mean i guess that's the least interesting question the, I think no, the more I know, interesting question a, is is he actually mick jagger or the yeah, other there, oh yeah there's also that you know it's like <laughs> is he actually another person that we see on screen uh yeah and so from what i'm sure you're hearing in our description it's a very trippy yeah, I'd call the movie an acid trip. It's exactly oh, yeah. what it is. Oh, yeah. um, it's very disorienting. It may take you a couple Wikipedia synopsis lookovers to truly understand what's happening. And even then, I don't think you get a full piece of the puzzle. Um, the editing style only contributes to that. Uh -huh. But I think just like as an experience and as like a thought experiment, yeah. it's quite wonderful. It's very entertaining. Yep. Mick Jagger's kind yeah. of tremendous in it. Really good. Really good in it. And I, I think help sort of define his persona in the later stages of his career. Uh, it's just a very authentic performance. And there is something about like Mick Jagger in his late 20s, mm. um, like that very specific kind of rock star that an actor has, you know, kind of hard time uh, duplicating. You know, I guess Elizabeth Moss did it in her smell. I um, can see that. But yeah, it's it's. It's tough playing a rock star authentically, and Mick Jagger does it because he is one. Because yeah, I was going to say, well, it's not that hard for him. Sure, not much uh, of a stretch. Yeah, he, he's, I give him a pass. <laughs> but I mean, it's interesting that he would pick this role to me. I mean, is it a condemnation of those things in a way? I was trying to figure that out too. I don't know. No, I wouldn't say so. Yeah, I wouldn't say. I, I don't think it's really. I don't think, condemning I'm, either character, which is kind of cool. No, you know? no. Maybe this is my only like. It, issue with the film i mean it's i mean oh boy 
how to process this. It's never like settling on one idea in my opinion. I mean, yeah, the, the overlying thing is the identity crisis, I guess, if you want to call it that yeah. or like the challenging of identity. But even then, like the movie does a lot to disorient you from everything that's going on. So, sure. so even when you're like trying like, okay, here we go. What, what, what are we getting here? And then the movie jumps to fucking Mick Jagger doing the, the, the routine with the lamp. Sure. And I'm just like, whoa, I, 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 ugh. Yeah, man, it's just a fever dream experience, Yeah, you know, and I guess what anybody takes away from it is unique, but oh boy, yeah. I mean, I understand why you would vomit after watching this, <laughs> put it this way, yeah. Um, yeah, certainly. I, I also think just at, at its core, it's a pretty compelling sort of character drama. Yeah. The relationship between these two men, I think, is actually I think kind of touching at times. I wasn't touched by it but i was very interested in it yeah more than anything and just sort of how they are polar opposites but couldn't be more similar right which is very interesting to me sure you know, how they both kind of occupy the same roles literally <laughs> so yeah. that so that was an interesting dynamic which i love i wasn't like like feeling for them in that way like like oh how could you do that to your buddy at the end it was it felt like the logical thing to do, <laughs> strangely. Yeah, look, there are so many movies about two different men that have to get along for their shared interest. You know, Midnight Run or whatever, any cop drama after Lethal Weapon. Okay, but understanding the shared interest is difficult in this movie. You're not in, like... Yes. All you know is that they, like Mick Jagger loves performing and right. loves acting like someone else, I guess. Sure. And you know that the other guy needs to hide and the best way he could do that is to put on a new face, essentially. Yes. <laughs> so what the shared interest is beyond that and each other, I guess they're, they're interested in both sides of each other's performance. I guess that's it. And how that, Correct. how that evolves and mutates into some weird monster of a movie in a good way. <laughs> is that's, it? Yeah. That's kind of what I'm saying though. Yeah. Like I, I'm glad that Nicholas Rogue decided to play it a little uh a little weirder i guess there's a million ways to tell a very conventional story yeah. with that synopsis but i mean that's rogue right and you can't make a movie like this ever again the, the, one of the yes. things i love about movies like this and like el topo and the holy mountain is that like yeah good luck ever trying to replicate that yeah i mean it's a cult movie <laughs> yeah, right it's, it's right place right time and yep. yeah it just works because it works yep um but yeah as you said there's a lot of like influence in other movies that you can see uh that song memo from turner is featured in Goodfellas when uh, I think Henry's being sold a gun by um, uh, I forget was it was it Tommy that's holding the gun I don't remember now with the helicopter scene no 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 it's before that but he that that uh, Mick Jagger song is actually featured in the movie and um, you know I I think that whole sequence it's kind of like MTV music video ish like a it lot is. of music videos of the era like the eighties and nineties definitely replicated that aesthetic. And I'm not sure that was something that was around before that. No, it's something that's credited that this movie has credited or people have credited towards this movie multiple times that yeah. it is very influential towards, uh, that approach. Yes. To sure. Um, so. yeah. Interesting movie. <laughs> definitely. Okay. I, I, again though, like I understand if someone were to watch this and say, I just fucking hated that movie. Like, I, I mean, I don't blame you. I liked it. Yeah, I guess. But like, why are you watching it? Then? That's the other question. Like, <laughs> like you kind of have to go in knowing what you're getting here. I, like, I would imagine like that person would have turned it off way, Correct. way before. Yeah. You're, you're not going to sit yeah. through the entire movie exactly right and no. be like, that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? That's <laughs> like, so funny. Like, why are you even talking to me about it? Yeah. Like, you kind of know what you're getting into the first 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure Warner Brothers did. 
no. uh, I, I saw something online that was like Warner Brothers thought they were getting a hard day's night, but Rolling Stone version. You know, they thought they were going to get something very commercial featuring a huge rock star. And when it came out, I think they shot it in 78 or I'm sorry, 68 didn't come out until 1970. It was because it was so inaccessible. They didn't know how to market it and how to uh, put it in a wide release. Um, yeah. So I, look, I understand why they would have been upset, but yeah i mean you know what you're getting at this point right now we do yeah it's dope it's a dope movie it is dope and uh yeah there's a lot of cool behind the scenes stuff too they they wrote a book about it a few years ago as a matter of fact Hmm. uh, about the making of performance because it really is like a a special cult film in certain circles um that nicholas rogue man yeah there's some cool nuggets in there i saw that um evidently the stones were supposed to do the entire soundtrack to the movie i thought that was going to be the case too right so it was intended for that to be the case but the woman that was playing the the woman anita pallenberg who was playing mick jagger's girlfriend in the movie was actually keith richard's girlfriend in real life oh so there was a rumor going around at the time that when mick jagger and anita pallenberg were having sex on set they were actually having sex and that drove a bit of a rift in between Keith Richards oh, and Mick, really? I, I wouldn't understand why. I mean, look, it's art, man. It's for the for the art. How is that not something every band goes through, having sex with each other's girlfriends? So they, Come you on. know, there was a little bit of a rift at the time, and so I guess they didn't end up recording the. Um, they didn't end up recording the soundtrack together, but were they actually having sex? I don't know. I think just one of those Hollywood tales, probably. All right. But they seem to be doing fine right now, Mick and Keith. So, how are they not dead yet? <laughs> They're still touring. How are those guys They're still going. not dead yet? It's like almost 60 years, right? They just look like, like wrinkled chimpanzees. I want to see them live. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's a uh, performance. An interesting movie. Worth your time. Mm-hmm. If you're into that sort of thing. Next is Patton. Patton. Directed by Franklin J. Schaffner, written by Francis Ford Coppola, an early Coppola screenplay starring George C. Scott, winner of Best Picture, Director, Original Screenplay, Art Direction, Sound, Film Editing, and Actor. Although George C. Scott did not accept the award nor the nomination because he did not see himself in competition with any of the other actors, didn't show up refused the award so i mean can you really say he won it i'm not so sure also nominated for cinematography visual effects and score i should say the world war ii phase of the career of controversial american general george s Patton. that is the synopsis for this film Mm -hmm. you want me to go or do you want to go you can go okay i hated this movie oh really yeah oh i didn't like it you do not like movies like this jesus christ (laughs) old war movies are not your thing Uh, bored to tears oh really okay bored to tears okay and um this performance wasn't enough and i thought that it might be enough and for the first 15 minutes it was enough oh yeah it's really great in that first 15 minutes but for three hours it wasn't enough is that how long it is yeah it's three hours long yeah i get that was a rough night last night yeah (laughs) was a rough one okay it was a rough one you know (laughs) as rodney would say Uh uh-huh I don't care for it. All right, that's fine. I I I kind of love the movie, but whoa, yeah, I do. You know, I'm not like it's not like one of my favorite movies necessarily, and a lot of it is you know partially George C. Scott 
I like the the filmmaking a lot. Okay. <laughs> and I like, uh, it comes down to just Fra- uh, Franklin J. Schaffner's storytelling. I don't think I've ever disliked a single one of his films, honestly. I like, okay. I like you know, Planet of the Apes all the way to Papillon and all those. I, I, I love Papillon. Yeah. I've never really been disappointed by anything he does. Yeah. I Everything about this movie is kind of satisfying to me personally. You know, the handling of the battle sequences is kind of interesting to me as well. You thought so? Yeah, especially that one where he's uh, way off in the distance trying to orchestrate everything and it's kind of going right but not perfectly and he's just getting fed up. Like towards the beginning of the movie? Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. first hour mark? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. And um, the handling of the Battle of the Bulls was nice. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a war film quite like this where it's told from this perspective. You know, very often when you get some like like level-headed figure like that, uh, you know, sometimes they jump back and forth from the battle to uh, the guy. But this really is kind of more so the guy. There's a little bit of Battle of the Bulge, but for the most part, it's just Patton trying to deal with everything and sort of, you know, forming an, an image out of himself and doing an honest job of it and giving him all the right flaws because I love this era in history and Patton sort of a con- – yeah, he is a controversial figure, particularly with the – troops themselves you know band of brothers does a great job at explaining why Patton might have been full of shit yeah um well this movie kind of takes that point of view yeah i agree i agree it's a it's a little more like like mainstream i would say you Mm -hmm. know and accessible in that way but um it's fun (laughs) to to me to me i I don't know like i i i have no issue with like a scene by scene basis i'm perfectly entertained it's all it's all george c scott though man yeah it is kind of a one-man show here uh yeah I, i just thought it was too objective to be honest with you, I just thought the movie had too much of a remove, and uh, like I, I don't even know why. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I neither loved this guy nor loathed him. I think I was sort of in between the whole time, and I think that's just because the movie doesn't really take a point of view. And look, I respect sort of fly-on-the-wall storytelling, and I respect it when sort of a director lets his characters just be who they are, and here, I, I don't know... I. I don't know if I was necessarily craving a a political message or I was craving more judgment, but at no point did I feel like, you know, this is a, this is a, uh, a conflicted troubled man trying to make it through the, the most consequential war in the world's history or like just a blowhard (laughs) warmonger. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I, it's one thing if you want to make him the villain. It's one thing if you want to make him the hero. It's one thing if you want to make him an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like they did anything here. I just thought it was sort of uh, a very academic, journalistic, yep. removed take on a on an important historical figure. But like, I can watch the History Channel whenever I want for that. This is more entertaining than that, though. I guess. I also found the battle sequences to be kind of underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Especially not- that first one, which they sort of play for laughs, but not really, where... Uh, where where uh, George C. Scott is firing the handgun at the planes as they're invading the military yep. base. Like, the whole thing, there's a lot of destruction. Like, a tank runs into a fountain and buildings are falling over and all that's there. Um, but, uh, I don't know, it kind of felt like old Hollywood bullshit shot in a soundstage. You keep coming back to that. Like, this is on location, by the way. Okay. Uh, but fine. I couldn't tell. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, this comes back. I just, I don't have an issue with the, the way this stuff has ever been shot. It feels very tangible to me. Really? Wow. It's so, it's very funny. You, you just don't like these movies. <laughs> I think. No, I don't know. I think, Not no, necessarily that. I think beat for beat. Every time one of these has been brought up, you've at least had some issues with like the artificiality of it all. Uh, explain what you mean by that. 
like even with like something like like uh something about um like longest day bored you to tears yes. and just something about that just didn't feel right in the hollywood system yeah it did feel sort of like yeah ho- sort of uh, disposable hollywood fodder and i also didn't relate to any single character and i thought because yeah, i feel like part. kind of the opposite okay it's like i do like those people you know it's not and it takes that like you know shin godzilla approach to the way it handles characters. You know? Yeah, but that's cool because it's about a monster invading. <laughs> well, that's again okay. You know what I mean, though. But but longest day is about D Day. You know. Yeah. You no, know, they're equal in my opinion. The cool thing about Shin Godzilla, though, is that most monster movies go for excess, and that was yeah. a movie that sort of kept the story grounded. I'm not sure if I. Whereas this, I thought at least was grounded to a fault, particularly because you have such a dynamic character yeah. at his, at its center. You almost want the movie to say more about him, or you almost want to be more in his headspace. And you certainly followed him a lot, and you certainly learned a lot about how he behaved. I'm not sure the movie took that extra step and got into his headspace as much as I wanted it to. Well, you, ha- it, you have to really get cerebral with that. What did you want, Capone? Kinda. Uh, <laughs> no, dude. I'm so, <laughs> sure. Like, sign me up for that. I, I don't, don't know. Part, part of my part, again, this this happens a lot. I mean, some sometimes people love this, sometimes they hate it. But it's like you know when when you learn about this stuff, there is a iconography associated with Patton that you know m- makes him you know who he is with those four stars on his helmet and the jacket, of course. But mm. and you just see him as this mystical figure. But I watch this movie and I'm like, oh, he was kind of schlubby. Okay. He was a bit of an idiot. He you know he was a a, a patriot and had a lot of crazy big ideas ideas and sort of almost on accident managed to squeak by and do something incredible, mm-hmm. which is great. Uh, I kind of appreciate the movie's honesty in that approach sort of demystifies him for me. I don't mind that. Yeah. I know that's a cliche, but it works for me here and it's all kind of attributed to the character's personality, yeah. especially in the scene where he's, I don't remember what he was talking about, but he was talking with like one of his uh, like, like second officers about like a, a vision he had or something I'm like, that's a great scene. You know, where he's explaining like his purpose in this in in this war, and you know, there's a lot of scenes to me that are just like that. Sure, you know, I don't know. And, and look, it's cool at the beginning where the, you know the first ten minutes where Patton is just in front of the American flag talking to I guess I don't know anonymous <laughs> troops or whoever he's talking to, maybe yeah. just to the camera. Uh, like when it wor- it works as a stage play. And it felt very much like that in the well, first ten minutes. That one does. That one yeah, shot. <laughs> sure, but I like again. I don't know if the movie ever takes that next step and really immerses me in the story all that much. Maybe you feel that way, and that's cool. And certainly, a lot of people felt that way, and the Academy felt that way. I, I think I'm just sort of used to the sort of Oliver Stone era of war film that has a very distinct point of view, and sometimes to a fault as well. Yeah, so this is the thing. I don't always want that. These stuff, this stuff makes for like a nice palate cleanser for me okay. often. Yeah, I mean, like when I watch Nixon, like I, I kind of want to know what Oliver Stone thinks about Nixon. Like I can read everything I want to like, about them, and there's enough history there. Do you like that movie? You know, my aunt was in Nixon. Was she? Yeah, she was an extra in Nixon. Dude, I don't remember a thing about that movie. <laughs> I don't remember a goddamn thing about that movie. But, you know, the, most of his, actually all of his movies are heavily stylized. All of them have a political point of view. but And they all say something about the character that you can't read about in a history book. And, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a fun performance. It's a compelling performance. Uh, is it a great performance? Is it a great movie? I would argue it's an iconic performance. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I, Certainly I, that early part is. Yeah, yeah, sure. I have no issue with the matter of factness. And I kind of, in, in this scenario, I kind of welcome it. I like it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Like the, I, I don't think it's that removed where you can't get into it, though. That's my thing. Okay. You know. And I was also just bored to tears by it. But that's a, another issue, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. 
I'm just very bored by also, it. You know, you're bored by this and Lawrence of Arabia. And, yeah, you know, correct. Fucking Lawrence of Arabia is so good. Ugh. I like Lawrence of Arabia better than this movie. It is a better movie. I'll give you that one. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be so lukewarm. I'm glad. I, I'm glad that you that you feel the same way, but <laughs> that you that you don't feel the same way. But <laughs> do, do you really hate this? Come on, I do. I hate Why? It. <laughs> it's not a movie that does. <laughs> like I understand love story. This is not a movie that deserves hate, dude. That's a that's a strong word. <laughs> hate it? Come on, don't be so dramatic. <laughs> this is not a one star movie. No, but it's probably a two. No, it's not a two star movie either. It's it's just not, dude. Yeah, I, I just really didn't know what the movie was trying to say, and I just thought that. Yeah, honestly, I'm shocked you like the action sequences as much as you do. Yeah, I just think they're kind of bland. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've been spoiled with maybe seven Private Ryan and everything. But <laughs> I think that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, maybe I've been spoiled. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, yeah. that'll do it. That's fine. That's Patton. I don't want to say anything else. Uh huh. Man, that was a very long three hours. Uh, MASH. Let's talk about another war movie now. MASH. That I like a lot better. Directed by R- Robert Altman. One of your faves. Uh, I, he's got movies that I love. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I've seen, I've seen three films by him. Uh, two of them I love. And which, which, what's the other one besides? McCabe uh, and Miss Miller. Okay. I, love the, I love that one. I love another film we're about to talk about. But I hate Nashville. And that's that. Starring Donald Sutherland, Elliot Gould, Tom Skerritt, Sally Kellerman, and Robert Duvall. Winner of Best Adapted Screenplay at the Academy Awards. Was also nominated for Picture, Supporting Actress, Director, and Film Editing. The staff of a Korean War field hospital use humor and hijinks to keep their sanity in the face of the horror of war. (laughs) That's what the premise is? (laughs) I think it's just a funny place. <laughs> it's just a funny place that they're in. I don't know. I don't think it's like we're going and say if we don't if we don't act funny, we're going to lose our minds. Like that's not what it is. <laughs> were you a Mash fan growing up? Oh yeah, me too. Oh god, yeah, dude. Oh there, yeah. There was about a three year stretch where I just <laughs> I still watch Mash, dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I watched every episode that was available on TV yeah. Land. Now here's I can't like name episodes for you for some reason, but like Mash is like always a thing that's been on in my household yeah to this day i still love it sure but here's the thing i i rewatched this movie again again i I watched it years ago similar to you when the afi list came out and it was towards the top and i was just getting into film sort of on a surface level and i was a fan of the tv show and i'm like let's just do this for completionist sake and i remember liking the movie Mm -hmm. but i certainly did not understand it to the extent that i now understand it and like this movie really did sort of change my perception of the TV show yep, in an interesting way. I'm not sure if you felt the same way. I mean, I certainly thought so too. Yeah. It's, I'm not sure if it's like towards the top on my personal list, like the way it is on AFI, but it's my favorite movie on this list. Okay. Like it's my favorite Robert Altman film. Uh huh. Could be, I mean, amongst my favorite movies on a long enough list. Uh huh. Yeah, dude, this movie, everything about it is perfect. I think it, there's not a single thing wrong with it. I love it so much yeah i love it so much yeah i kind of loved it too (laughs) okay so let me just talk about this in relation to the tv show because i really don't have another way to talk about it other than that okay for now yeah it's just the first thing that came into my head like i'm watching hawkeye played by donald sutherland and i'm like 
this is a little strange. Mm-hmm. And I contend that Alan Alda is the superior oh, yeah. Hawkeye. No, no one's arguing. Does that. anyone argue that? No, not a single one. And it is kind of weird seeing all these characters again, but they're played by the wrong people. Like Hot Lips is there and Trapper is there. And like, uh, that seems a little strange. Only Radar. <laughs> only Radar is still in the show, right? I think they were all recast. Yeah, he's the only recurring one. Yeah. Hot ones, it's a penalty, you blithering idiot. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, that was a little strange. And obviously you hear suicide is painless, but not the instrumental version. This one has the lyrics this time. And it's like, oh, that really paints that theme song in a new way. Well, because like I didn't I I knew that there were uh, there was a lyrical form of it, but I just didn't bother listening to it. Yeah. And then I rewatched the movie and I realized, oh, yeah, that is at the beginning of this one. And then I was like listening to the lyrics. I'm like. Well, that's pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> what the hell is this song talking about? And then I look up what Robert Altman thinks of the song. Right. And he's like, I wanted to make the dumbest song ever written. <laughs> so I gave it to my 14 year old son to write. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's not exactly like the full house theme either. No. You know, it's a little darker than. <laughs> You know, you think of it as, oh, yeah, one of the great TV theme songs of all time. But no, it no, it is. A, yes, a but also, <laughs> right. The whole but it's like saying war is a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and the attitude surrounding it is a fucking joke. This movie is maybe my favorite farce I've ever seen. It's so good. Oh, my it's God. It's like almost Dr. Strangelove. Level it is yeah. it, that those opening quotes with Douglas MacArthur just like giving this passionate, like, like eulogy goodbye sort of thing to his troops. Like, I'm done and I salute you. Everything here. It's been an honor. So on and so forth. And then you get the following quote by Eisenhower is like, I'll go to Korea. Yeah. <laughs> it's cracked me the fuck up. It was the best. It's like, oh, it's this kind of movie. I'm so happy. But you're used to the TV show, obviously, which is a TV show. It's still one of the great shows of all time. And it's still influenced a lot of television for decades to come. But it was a 70s TV show. And there's a level of earnestness that you have to include in there in order for it to work at that time. The difference between the two is the cynicism. Sure. I mean, the movie is like really cynical, sometimes mean spirited. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There are no hugs in this movie. No. You know, it's like you had to get to Seinfeld in order to get that level of cynicism on television. It does feel like a Seinfeld episode. It does. In a lot of ways. Yeah, it, it does in many ways. And, you know, I, I'm sort of, I, I remember watching that show as a kid. And I used to love the scenes where they were out of the operating room, just hanging out. (laughs) But I remember whenever they would get to those scenes, it would sort of hit a plateau for me. And I always thought the scenes when they when they were operating on patients were the most dull. Because to me, it's kind of the reverse here. Correct. But like, I I just remember having that distinct feeling like, oh, they're operating again and they're just chit chatting and they're they all have that same monotone sort of voice. And it makes so much sense now because they were trying to mimic what Altman was doing. Yep. And Altman always has that very wide lens yep. and he's always, you know, it, it's got a level of remove that we were talking about with Patton, but not in the same way there. He's playing it for laughs. It's that old line. How, you know, like uh, uh, drama is a close up. Comedy is a wide shot. That's what's happening here. Altman very removed, doesn't move the camera that much in the operating room. And it is the least dramatic operating <laughs> sequence you could possibly draw up. But it adds this level of comedy and cynicism that's not Mm -hmm. even present in the TV show because you could tell those directing (laughs) the television show, although competent at what they were doing, 
did not have that same sort of wink that Altman had. It's just different, though. Like like you said, the earnesty is fine, and it's welcome. I'm not sure I'd want a TV show that was... Because, I mean, the movie can get, like, a really, like, ooh. You but, can't spend 11 seasons with, with these kinds of characters no, in these circumstances. No, they're not yeah. the most sympathetic. You really do have to do some, some legwork to make someone like Hawkeye or Trapper a lot more sympathetic. Because the movie can get kind of nasty. Yes. Actually. I mean, in a way that I, I, I don't have any issue with, but it's like, ooh, like, these guys would really piss me off if i was around them for a long enough period of time right uh but for a movie for a short you know a shorter film it's not too you know it's it's not the length of the tv show i have kind of a blast yeah it's a ton <laughs> it's of fun so fucking entertaining like like the funeral scene he's like i'm gay i'm gonna kill myself sure <laughs> I'm like what? well all right <laughs> all right i guess if you want eh. when they do the last supper <laughs> yeah and then they put him in the coffin. <laughs> but then he tries to get his girlfriend to fuck him. <laughs> right. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> whoa. God, movie. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's amazing. Just these people are constantly punching each other and getting into fights like and just disobeying their people. officers. Horrible. <laughs> Horrible people. But like, they're, they're all so great. Sure. And by the way, um, PTA. <laughs> You need to calm down with your 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 karaoke of of Robert Altman, dude. Oh, sure. It was the most obvious here. It was like it just feels like Boogie Nights, except it's in Korea. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it feels like to me to a T. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Uh, totally fine with me, man. Oh yeah, no, no, I get it. But it's like, oh, because I I had heard that before, and I saw McCabe and Miss Miller, and I'm like, mm, okay, I kind of see it. And then I saw Nashville, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of see it. And then I saw this, I'm like, oh, there it is. Sure, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah, he's like a real blind spot for me. I actually have to go through and watch uh, a lot of his films. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, he made a movie about Nixon in Did the he? in the 80s as well. And then also, I got to see the player because. Apparently, I would love the player. The player really? just seems like the Nicoist of Nico movies. Right. So I need to check that thing out. Uh, yeah, it, it's. Uh, is it better than the TV show? I mean, I don't know. I uh, think they're both very different. Like, yeah, all time great things. Mm-hmm. So it's like I don't know. I, I it it does sort of it, it does sort of uh, make me reconsider. Like the first season of Mash had a laugh track. And one of the big moves that they made in the second, it might have been the second or third season of that show, is they got rid of the, the, the laugh track and they made it more of a dramedy. And what we now understand as a dramedy. I thought they had it like throughout. It's just very minimal, the laugh track. No, they actually remove it Do in they? the later seasons. Okay. Yeah. Because I start to just not notice. That it. might be what it is. They actually might fade it out every season. I, and I, finally, I, it's gone. I could have sworn it was in for like multiple seasons. But they definitely de-emphasized oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah point is though like that first season they were doing altman karaoke with the tools that they had at their disposal Mm -hmm. and you could just tell like television writing wasn't there yet no um and uh so it really does make me appreciate some of the stuff that they were going for in the tv show that i thought of as neither here nor there at the time it's harder to do in television i guess like like a lot of then it was like like to to make fun of the the military in the way that this movie does and to make fun of these people and that classic robert altman dialogue where everyone's talking over each other yes yeah i don't know if i would want that for a long tv show you know no might get a really obnoxious (laughs) i I mean traditionally what you think of as sitcoms is that you know in, in drama the uh the the transition, the beat, the rhythm of the show is defined by the editing. Yeah. You know, it's just, but, 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 and every move, every turn, every reaction that you're trying to elicit from the audience is on the edit. Whereas in comedy, 
it's the line it's the spoken mm-hmm. word it's the the punchline it's the laugh track being inserted when one character says something funny and so yeah it's kind of hard to um to for the for those jokes to land as hard when people are talking over each yeah, other exactly. and especially when you have a laugh track in there Mm-hmm. yeah i mean it is it's very hard to mimic that style i think they do an admirable job in the early seasons and i think the show definitely got better as it oh, went yeah. along okay. uh but yeah this this movie is just so special yeah um in, in its own very unique way and yeah i 100 percent agree with you i watched it now and i appreciated it even more than when i saw it because i guess back then it was like oh look there's a naked woman <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool it's like oh, I remember like not remembering where hot lips came from too yeah and it's just funny that it carries over from this movie like, right oh Frank my lips are so hot <laughs> hot lips Tom Skerritt in this movie is a, a fucking genius what the what the hell are you talking about <laughs> and Elliot Gould and Donald Sutherland too oh, just a great God. one of the all time great one <laughs> two punches punch. right there <laughs> Just a great pair. I do really like Donald Sutherland as Hawkeye. I have to admit, I, again, no, no Alan Alda, but I'm like, you know, not bad. Pretty yeah, good. Sure. When they're golfing, when they go to Japan and they, <laughs> and they're just like, we're operating on this patient right now. It's too funny. And we're hitting the links. <laughs> oh, Incredible stuff. Yeah. Mash. Uh, I think we'll be a contender on this list. Definitely. Uh, yeah. We gotta, we gotta do some more Altman. Yeah, I agree. Maybe an Altman pod. I'm I'm okay with that. You keep saying I don't like Robert Altman. It's like no. No, you just don't like Nashville. I just don't. That like- I don't understand. I'm not even sure. No, I think I like Mash better. I like Mash so much better. I think I like Mash. <laughs> In that I don't like Mash. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. I love Mash. I'm sorry. Okay. Finally. Ooh. Five easy pieces. Directed by Bob Raffleson, starring Jack Nicholson, Karen Black, and Lois Smith. Nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Original Screenplay. A dropout from upper-class America picks up work along the way on oil rigs when his life isn't spent on a squalid succession of bars, motels, and other points of interest. Ugh. Adore this movie. Oh, oh yeah? (laughs) Fucking adore it. Okay. Fucking adore it. Calm down. Has not left my brain, Adam. (laughs) We've got another one. Oh, wow. We've got another one that is just living in there rent free. Oh, that's good. Like a parasite. (laughs) It won't leave. To me, I was was thinking about you watching this. I'm like, yeah, I I get why he would absolutely love this movie. Are you lukewarm? No, it's good. Okay. But I'm not crazy about it at all. Okay. What didn't you like about it? I mean, it's boring. It's just, oh, it's, fucking it's, hell. Just go fuck yourself. I mean, it's pretty. It's it's pretty boring. <laughs> Stop you know, it. occasionally it's not entirely that, but it, it, it took like five sittings to get through it. What? It's, it's you know, it's. I mean, I think Jack is. I mean, at the time, I would have watched him and said like, "Yo, this guy, holy shit!" I think now I watch him and I'm like, "Yeah, it's another pretty good Jack performance." Um, it's not the most memorable, despite what Roger Ebert says. I'm like, okay, like is a good character. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think it's a better performance than Jack Torrance, but even that's a better character in terms not, not, maybe not a better character, but a certainly more memorable one. It's definitely not a better character. Yeah. 
I was, uh, I, I don't know. I don't have much to say. It's just a good, solid, you know, film about, you know, sort of a lost generation <laughs> contending with that idea. It's very 70s and sort of is a, man, feels like a, a eulogy to this entire generation in a lot of ways. Um, it's sad and, you know, slightly existential. I mean, I guess in, in sort of your your place in society. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'd, I guess, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't take much away from it. It's just, it's, it's good. Yeah, it's good. I recommend it. Yum. <laughs> so, uh, I'm a strange person. Yes, you are. <laughs> this is like the 15,000th film you've liked that you've said is amazing. Like, do you understand? But why? Okay, listen, do, listen. Do, 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 Hang on. <laughs> I gave you plenty of chances to get everything off your chest. Here's why I'm a strange person. What? Because I uh, enjoy being left out of things. <laughs> I know. I like not fitting into certain circles and certain people. I don't mind that either. Uh, because, like, I don't know. I'm just like a, a, a self-imposed reject. Okay. I don't know. I maybe would have to talk to my therapist about this. But, yeah, I think um, <laughs> I totally get this character. And it, I, and it meant something to me. Maybe in a way that it didn't mean anything to you. Uh, but I thought about, like, college. All right. And I thought about how, like, my freshman year of college, oh, God. I went to, like, a pretty expensive liberal arts school with, like, a lot of people that went to private schools in high school and, like, were smarter than me and, like, had more money than me and had more experience than me and more creative than me and, like, spoke in sentences that uh, I didn't normally speak in. And I was, like... Oh fuck this! I want to go back to my small town, mm. and then I went back to my small town, and I'm like, I'm too good for you people, <laughs> fucker. <laughs> and like, that's Jack Nicholson in this movie. Yeah, sure. he's being pulled in two directions and is torn between two very distinct worlds. One of the very blue collar, working class, uneducated oil uh, rig worker, and the other of the erudite white collar wealthy artistic family and um he doesn't want to be in either one because the blue collar world he thinks he's too good for and the white collar world thinks that he thinks that the that world is too good for him uh he's sort of like a fish that forces himself outside of the water yeah you know what i mean at the end of it the only way he can do is sear it all away right and just cut it cut himself loose from both ends and I just find that endlessly fascinating and also moving. I, I just find it profoundly moving. Uh, there are so many movies about fish out of water, people. There are so many movies about black sheeps. Not so much. Black sheep, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say this is a fish out of water story. Yeah, yeah. certainly not. But there are plenty of movies about a, about a guy that doesn't fit in with his family. Mm -hmm. But there are very few movies where the guy leaves his snobby family <laughs> love story and he doesn't like what he sees on the other side either. Mm -hmm. uh, so smart, such a brilliant script. 
the performance is so layered and so nuanced. Mm-hmm. I think it's this in Cuckoo's Nest. I, and I think like that's one, one a maybe Cuckoo's Nest is a little more, but that's more of like a, like a, a traditional movie star performance. Like I'm just going to take this movie by the horns and just make it one of the most successful and iconic of all time. This one's a little quieter. He has yep. a couple explosions, you know, at one at the dinner table with his family but other than that, yeah, like it's a it's a pretty in the weeds psychological character study, and um, I just adored it. I thought the <laughs> cinematography too was really underrated. I, I thought like just as a as like a time capsule of a particular time of mm-hmm. a particular era, I really dug it, man. It just has that very rustic seventies grit to it that. I'm a sucker for every time I see it. Like we talked about last picture show many months ago. That was yeah. another movie that I saw where I'm like, Oh, this movie just changed my life. This is going to be one of my favorites ever. Kind of an example though, where it's like, similarly, that's a movie that I just kind of got uh-huh. and everything about the characters made perfect sense to me. And I even connected to the trying to get out of the small town scenario sure, and sort of what that meant to me if I did get out. Um, and, but even to, to just like their anxieties as, as kids, it made a lot more sense to me. You know, I, I I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with Five Easy Pieces though. It's like it's sort of a funny example of a movie where it's like I acknowledge like it, yeah it's yeah it's kind of a great movie. It's just you know for for me on a like a um, I don't know I'm more of a soulful level. I wasn't vibing with it so much. I, I get it. I mean yeah. to put it in terms of of Last Picture Show, yeah, yeah. I mean that's a movie where like the big city and the big college is the answer to all of their yeah. their questions, and the movie just sort of takes that as an acceptable answer and says well he got out he's okay now and this one doesn't do that i mean this one it's a real double-edged sword and you know the end of that movie is ambiguous and i i just also think brilliant and it is a great i mean it's a phenomenal ending in so many ways uh but i I don't think comes down one way or the other on how this character is going to end up is he going to be okay what's he going to do with his life no and that's cool i think like that ambiguity is is um, not only acceptable, but also the right way to end a movie like this. So much great stuff to love here. I actually think Karen Black, who plays his girlfriend, is remarkable in the movie too. I think like she brings so much warmth to what <laughs> would normally be considered a pretty one-dimensional archetype of a character. By the end of it, though, it's like for the for a while I feel bad for her. By the end of it, I kind of understand why he's he's leaving her. Yeah, and why he's frustrated with oh, her. But she is very lovable. She in is. That oh way. yeah, you Absolutely. know, like she's just totally honest all the time and there's something admirable about that but you also understand why jack couldn't tolerate to be around someone like that because jack's kind of an asshole himself in this movie she's almost trying to be the glue of like normality for him to to settle him down in his blue collar lifestyle or settle him down in his you know more high fluid lifestyle yeah (laughs) whatever that may be and he just can't have any of it yeah but just as a guy that like insists on making himself a drifter that insists on on giving his life no direction and also this script the way this thing unravels, you really never know where it's going. Maybe that's why you thought it was boring. I, I thought that that was just an invigorating way to tell this story. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning, like there's that little hint when Jack says that I'm too good for you hillbillies, essentially. I'm too good for you rednecks. When he says that to his best friend after his best friend's lecturing him. But then he goes back in the latter half of the film and calls everyone, you know, full of shit. Right. <laughs> and, then great he, scene. and then he gets on the, the back of the truck and he plays the piano at the beginning. And then you get a sense, oh, this guy's actually a little more talented, a little more skilled. And there's something more to this character. I didn't know he played the piano. Mm-hmm. And then you get the revelation that his sister is actually a recording artist. And 
I, I just love how they unraveled these little bits of this character and hinted at a lot more complexion because at first you're like, oh, we're just going to spend an hour and a half on an oil rig with this guy hanging out with his buddy. Um, and it, it's so much more than that. And I, and, uh, God, it really floored me and I'm sorry. He didn't feel the same way. Uh, but Jesus Christ, <laughs> an American classic, an American uh, classic. Yeah, it's it's a, it's an American film <laughs> for sure. This is about as American as it gets. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe some of the, the, the conclusions with the character that it comes to felt very obvious to me. I, 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 did, I wasn't like like surprised so much by the movie. It's like a lot in a lot of its ideas. Again, this comes down to talking about movies from you know this era. But I've seen stuff kind of like this before. Um, aesthetically, aesthetically, yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the, 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 the ideas surrounding like who you are and your sort of your place, you know, in society or in your family are very interesting to me. I, some, sometimes I relate to it. Um, yeah, I know. I don't know. But even when it, like I said, when it arrives at certain conclusions, you know, not, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just like, okay, yeah. It's not didn't feel the most refreshing to me. I was hoping for like a big like boom. Oh, there you go. I got it. And the most satisfying thing for me is the ending. Not in a bad way. I just think it was a nice poetic way to cap it all off. Uh yeah, I I hate to say I was underwhelmed, but I was definitely a little underwhelmed. But it's a it's it's a good movie. I don't want to talk shit about it cuz I don't think it's possible to talk to actually talk shit about this movie in the way that I talk shit about Soul. No. We're, we're not we're <laughs> We're not doing that here. Similar themes. Yeah, you wish. <laughs> Similar themes. Yeah, this all sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, look, it just, I, I guess uh, you don't have a heart, and that's all right. I don't have a heart? Yeah, I mean, you're, <laughs> you're allowed to not have a heart. And... Hey, you didn't like Love Story. You don't have a heart. It's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, I don't sympathize for women that are dying of diseases I've never heard of. Just tell me what you're dying of, lady. <laughs> That'd be nice. Just tell me the disease. <laughs> she just wants to die. I just want to know why your chances are so slim of survival. Yeah. yeah. I just walk me through the science on this. <laughs> Give me 30 seconds in the script. Frustrating movie. I don't have a heart. I love the before mi- movies. How could you say that to me? I love the before movies. Yeah, I, maybe I just don't get it. Maybe. I don't know. Sounds like it. Maybe I just don't get it. Sounds like it. Uh, yeah, I, I adore it. Also, like really funny this the scene in the diner the chicken salad scene <laughs> it's great and, uh, it's not, fantastic those two travel companions you're that they pick up the two ladies the hitchhikers you're both easily amused and easily scared <laughs> it's a great scene i couldn't stand that woman oh, which stand, one uh the black hair woman that they picked up the hitchhiker yeah i i was not crazy about that sequence i i was a little irritated by the editing personally but uh in her character i was just like please get this fucking person off the screen please uh but luckily she's not in it for very long okay yeah yeah good movie you know i recommend it for jack alone but I have nothing to say. I feel like I haven't made it clear enough how much I adore this movie because yeah. I really fucking love it. And you're killing my mellow, but or, whatever. It's it's fine. You're harsh just, my mellow. You're killing my vibe, whatever you're doing. I just don't have much to respond with. I'm like, yeah, most of those things are fine and good. I just, you know, I just don't think they were necessarily amazing. I think you need to watch it again in a few years okay. and uh, you're going to acknowledge that you were wrong. And maybe I'll do that with Patton, but I have an inkling that it's not going to change that much. 
How often does that happen where you watch a movie and it like significant? Not, not from when you were a kid, from when you, where sure. you are right now. Sure. How often does that happen? Um, <laughs> very rarely uh, am I bored by a movie the first time and then I'm not bored by it the second time. But there are plenty of times where I don't understand a movie mm-hmm. or it's trying something a little artistic or a little esoteric. Mm-hmm. And I don't respond to it the first time, but then once I get it, you know, sure, it clicks. Or if something's like messy, or like like a sci-fi movie that I don't quite understand. I think Nolan movies in that way sort of hold up on rewatch for that very reason. I don't know if Tenant the same thing will happen with Tenant, but there are very few times where it's just like this is a slog, and I'm going to watch it again and and totally get it. Like Tree of Life, for example, was a big one that I turned the corner okay, on. Okay, but again, Tree of Life was because oh, I was pushing up against art house cinema i wasn't necessarily pushing up against the movie the tree of life i'm not necessarily pushing up against the five easy pieces i guess i understand why people would hold it in such high regard i just yeah it didn't really respond to it okay well there you go uh well i guess we got to induct one of these and of course i would advocate for five easy pieces because it means a lot to me but i uh, look we're not going to put Patton in we're not going to put love story in. we're not going to put performance in um and i guess if we were to map out the film that we were most closely aligned on. You've already put in last picture show, by the way. So yeah. Throw in mash. I guess we'll do mash. I would love to do mash because it's fucking perfect. <laughs> it's so good. I feel the same way about five easy pieces, but there you go. Congratulations. Yeah. There we go. You upset me. I'm, I'm sorry, dude. Like you angered me. Is it really that surprising that someone would watch the movie thinking it was a little boring? Like, does that really surprise you? Like, it's okay. I plenty of movies that I love that I understand when someone would maybe be a little bored by it. Doesn't change the way I feel about the movie, though. You know, nothing wrong with that. I understand. I put it this way: I f- totally fucking understand why you would uh, be bored by Lawrence of Arabia. I don't agree with you at all in terms of like your criticisms for it, but I understand why you'd be bored by it. It's still a great movie. <laughs> Can you meet me halfway? No. Okay. <laughs> here's what I think you need. Here, here's what I think would have made five easy pieces Should a little I better for you. Work on an oil rig. <laughs> here's what, no, no, here's what I think would have improved five easy pieces. Oh yeah. If in that scene where Jack Nicholson is wrestling with the masseuse, Mm. You take out Jack for King Kong, Ooh. and you take out the masseuse for Godzilla, dude. And they fought each other. Oh, because look, you've seen King Kong movies, wow, that's right. and you've seen Godzilla movies, but have you seen a movie where they fight each other? Can we write this movie right now? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. I want to know after that trailer. You, you watched it, obviously, I would assume. Yes. One to ten. In terms of excitement. Yeah. I mean. Did you do a fist bump while watching this trailer? I think I did. It's. It's. Looks. I, I don't fucking know. I mean, it looks stupid. I mean, it's going to be horrendous. It right? looks so stupid, but it looks so good. It's going to be so bad. It looks pretty awesome. Right. I, I'm sorry. It looks pretty awesome as a Godzilla fan, as a King Kong fan. You know, I was searching for the five second, no, five frame shot of Mecha Godzilla, and I found it. 
and he's in the trailer <laughs> and it's great. Uh, <laughs> is it going to be good? Probably not. But uh, yeah, it still looks pretty cool and fun. Fuck it. <laughs> but, am I, here's, but here's the thing. You're, I think in a way you are implying that I would think that that's a better movie than five easy pieces. No, no. Good to know. That's not true. Good to know. Okay. So Adam Wingard, <laughs> I'm sorry, Bob Raffleson, or however you say your name, <laughs> or whomever. Ad- <laughs> you say Wingard's got nothing on Raffleson? Is yes. that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about that movie on the pod. Really what can't. did you say? think about the trip? No, I thought it looked like a steaming pile of turd, <laughs> but it's great. I, I did love on Twitter, this one guy was like, Yo, did you see the cinematography in the Kong versus Godzilla trailer? Could be one of the best shot blockbusters of the last 20 years. Okay. And it's like, that's a guy. It's like you put one light gel on the fucking lens and all of a sudden it looks like he calls it great cinematography. The guy was acting like it's Deacon shooting this shit. It's just Godzilla scream CGI Godzilla screaming at a camera, bro. <laughs> I think they're saying that because the last movie cinematography was so bad. It, was it the King of the Monsters? Yeah, the well, not entirely bad, but the fight scenes were so indiscernible, okay. like you just could not tell what was going on at all. Yeah. That it was sort of a welcome to surpri- surprise to see this massive, massive wide shot of these two things just hitting each other once. Hmm. It's like, oh, I registered that Kong just punched Godzilla in the face, right? I, I, it's been a while since I've seen that. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so I guess that's what he's saying. Listen, I'm glad y'all are happy. Yeah. I'm glad you're excited. It's coming to HBO Max, right? Are you going to insist on seeing it in the theater? Or is it? I'm, I, it seems like a movie I'd see in the theater. Fuck it. Okay. That seems like the perfect 2 a.m. movie for me. You can't, you can't, why can't you just like turn your brain off and have fun with these? I'm things? happy for you. Why can't you enjoy this stuff? Why is it so? No, I, I, look, I, no, you don't. I, you don't. Of course you, I do. You, I love my fast <laughs> movies. How dare you? Do you? Of course I do. I think you take them a tad seriously, more seriously than you should. Oh, well, that's certainly true. <laughs> yes. That's definitely true. Okay. It's probably, uh, by the way, what? yes, it's probably going to be total crap, but, okay. uh, <laughs> but I'll see it anyway and probably have a good time. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's draft for next week then. Okay. Uh, we're going to do the class of 1983 and, um, yeah, I would I would not call this a particularly strong movie here. Oh yeah. No. Films of nineteen eighty three. You're so wrong, Nico. What have we got here? Let's oh god. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. Oh, it's pretty bad. I will draft Scarface first. And I will leave the rest to you. Uh <laughs> Monty Python's a meaning of life. Here's the thing. We covered a lot of these movies on the other shows. Yeah. We did Christmas Story already. Yes. Videodrome, yeah. We did Videodrome, and we did Meaning of Life, as a matter of fact, as well. Uh, trading Places, I guess. Uh, I'm drafting War Games. Fuck it. I haven't seen it. You want to do I War haven't games? seen it in years. Okay, War Games. Oh, man. Wow. This is bad. Are we missing any? Okay, hold on. Uh, I don't mind Cujo, but that's not what I'm gonna draft. Oh boy, dude, there's. I don't mind Cujo either, dude. There's like nothing on here. I hate, I hate drafting for years where we're just silent trying to figure out what's actually good. It's awful podcasting. Like, what is this? 
Psycho 2. Hey, you want to know something? Psycho 2? What? It's, it's okay. Is it? It's okay. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, though. <laughs> no, me neither. I don't want to go it's not there. that good. <laughs> oh, boy. We did Zelig. Zelig's already in there. Yeah, that's right. Is the Big Chill any good? I don't know. Big Chill is good. I haven't seen it. Draft it. Fuck yeah. it. Big Chill. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Yeah. One more. We're getting somewhere. Terms of Endearment. Oh, all right. I haven't seen that one either. Okay. Actually, maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought. Uh, do we have to do one more? Yeah, I think so. Uh, shit. Sleepaway camp. No. Have <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen the right stuff? Yes, I have. I'm not going to watch it again, though. Do you like it? Yeah, but it was so long that I <laughs> don't remember much about it. I saw it years ago, too. It was yeah. kind of like a space phase. Yeah, it's like a high school thing where you, you, you learn about that stuff. And then you're like, eh, I must see it. You know, I've never seen Risky Business. Really? Never seen it. Do you want to watch Risky Business? I have been meaning to. I've seen it in parts. Do you like it? Yeah, actually. The parts you've seen? Yeah. Okay. Okay, well, what do we have? <laughs> There's a lot of movies. Scarface. Monty Python's The Meaning of Life. Risky Business. War Games. Terms of Endearment and The Big Chill. <laughs> I have to watch four movies. <laughs> well, you've got time. Oh, boy. Uh, this is going to be another one, dude. I'm not excited for this. And we may change that list. Trading Places. Yeah. I, I did have an idea for uh, when Coming to America comes out that we maybe do an Eddie Murphy podcast. That was going to maybe be one of my Nico's choices. What's his best movie? I think 48 Hours is. Yeah, probably. But there are some options. Norbit. Norbit. <laughs> was he in Fat Albert? Or... No. no, that was Kenan Thompson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Early Kenan Thompson. Dr. Doolittle, one of my childhood favorites. Not one of mine. <laughs> Directed by the woman who made Private Parts. Is that right? Yeah. I love private parts. Me too. <laughs> My sister has a very specific rule where if, if animals talk in the movie, she doesn't watch it. <laughs> That's not a bad rule. That's a rule. <laughs> That's not a bad if rule. If animals talk, she's not watching it. Because <laughs> it's fucking funny. Animated movies included, by the way. Like Why? she didn't watch Zootopia. Why? Because she doesn't like when animals talk. She doesn't think animals should talk in movies. Why should they talk? I don't know. Ask her. I don't know. She's got that rule. It's a rule of How hers. do you not know this? Why shouldn't they talk? Is it just an arbitrary? She just, it just bothers, bothers her. I don't know. Creeps her out, maybe? Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a nightmare she had? I don't know. Don't let her watch cats. I won't. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah, but those aren't even animals, though. Those are just like human hybrid beings. I think Andrew Lloyd Webber would disagree with you. I mean, those are those are feline humans. Those aren't really anthropomorphic cats. cats yeah, I mean, that's that not just, it's, uh... it's so weird that they didn't make them cats. <laughs> make them cats or make them people no make it an animated film make it an animated film do what yeah, spielberg know, spielberg wanted to do i'm sorry but that's the correct decision I it just know. is i don't know if it would have been a good movie but it would have been better than what we fucking got <laughs> all right we're talking 1983 next week uh until then that's it go to the website tmt.media too many thoughts media.com to listen to all of our various podcasts there's plenty of them Something yeah. for everybody on that website, I would say. We need to start getting creative with these podcasts specifically because now that we've 
we're pretty much done with years. Right. I think Friday the 13th pod is in the works. Imminent. Mm. Certainly imminent. If you have some recommendations too, drop that in the Discord. You can join with the link in the description here. But if you have a specific topic, like don't go too broad with it. Like don't yeah. say romance. Don't say war movie. Like, <laughs> like get in the weeds with it because I think those generally are the better podcasts. No, we need a niche. Yes. We're looking for little niches, which is why like a, a Friday the 13th pod makes sense. You yeah. Can, you can square that down. I think, yeah, franchises are always a good way to go. Yep. If you want us to talk about a franchise with more than six or seven entries, actors too, if they're very specific, you know, action stars, I think, you know, the, the this format lends themselves to action stars more than other types of actors. Like Meryl Streep movies would not be a particularly no. good one. No. But directors is, is directors as well. Is always yeah. a good one, you know. Directors is yeah. So uh, hit us up. That's it. Love you. Till next time. I think I won the four forty. Four forty. This is a football game. God damn it. <laughs> 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 <laughs>